she seems like she's she's really easy to get a hold of and schedule. oh yeah absolutely she is all right boys here we I, go i'm ready this is the st louis podcast network Oh, it feels good to be back. So back. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, sdlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byers-Dorfer, Andy Hanselman alongside. You know you missed us because I got texts and I got tweets and DMs from some of you. You missed us. You can't deny it. No going back now. I got a handful of messages that asked where the podcast was at. Technical yeah. difficulties. I apologize. It's all Andy Hanselman's fault. It is all my fault. Send all nasty emails to him. Yep. Andy at Hanselman.com. At Matt underscore burger. <laughs> I get plenty of that. Trust me. Uh, uh, you can follow Clay on Twitter at a ton of Clayton, but give him a minute so he can get a new phone so we can get back on Twitter. We're not, we're not talking about this. We're not going to talk about no, that. Okay. About uh, and you can follow Andy Hanselman on Twitter at emo six. Joining us on the phone a little bit later will be former sports director for news channel five KSDK and current co-host of today in St. Louis, which can be seen Monday through Friday in the morning, Rennie Knott, who might actually be the nicest man in North America. I ran into Rennie at... Um, Tilted at, Kilt. At the, no, not the Tilted Kilt, at uh, Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. And at Chesterfield. Save, it was during the final... Same same thing. Same kind of thing. Yeah, same kind of concept. Same, same restaurant concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same, uh, same marketing. Yeah. Same business model. Same visual presence. And anyway, so Rennie, come wa- Rennie came, uh, comes walking in, and I'm like, that looks like Rennie Knott. And he and I, like, we've never met before. We follow each other on on Twitter and Facebook, but we've never really met face-to-face. And, and uh, I stopped and talked to him for a little bit, and we took a picture, and I invited him to come on the podcast. And he's like, yeah, you just let me know anytime. And... Mm-hmm. You would think that man was running for mayor. The way he was shaking hands on the way on his way out of the restaurant, everybody wanted to stop and talk to him, and he and he stopped and talked to every single one that wanted to talk to him. He probably already is the mayor. I was he probably s- is already the mayor. Maybe he's like quietly campaigning for the next run. Like maybe we can ask him about it when <laughs> he's he comes the, on. He's the mayor of the new, uh, I guess it would be the new Southwest Borough of St. Louis. Of St. Louis. Okay, we're going to five boroughs. Are we? What, yeah, <laughs> take that, New York. Yeah. <laughs> And Renny Knott is the mayor. Renny Knott's the mayor of the, <laughs> of the Southwest is, Borough. Renny Knott is the mayor. What would you call? What would you call the Southwest Borough? Would you would you call it De Pere? Would you call it Manchester? Would you call it Chesterfield? You could probably call it Chesterfield. Probably Chesterfield. It's got the biggest name recognition. Yeah. Danchester. Dan, like Danchester. Yeah, I like Danchester. 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 It's a mix of De Pere and Manchester. I think you call the uh, the South one. I think you call that one. Uh, oh, probably Sappington. Is what, is, okay. what, is what you name that South Borough? Okay. Then you have the West Borough. That's that's Ladue. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that they. And then you have the the Northwest one. That'd be Maryland Heights. And then the North Borough would be would it be Florissant. It sounds like you got this down pat, right. man. You should be You've like a city planner. Before I, I have thought about it. Okay. I don't know why I've thought about it, but I've thought about <laughs> you it. Need more, say, you need more. You need more to do during the day. Say, apparently, how much, how much time did you have? To think I mean, of the that boroughs. Way? I mean, uh, there's there's. There's good reasons why that there should be boroughs in St. Louis, as opposed to the 91 municipalities that we currently have. So many of them. There's there's so many of them, and I don't even know where half of them are. I couldn't tell. There's still parts of the city and the state that I'm just like, I couldn't tell you where that's at. I have no idea. You have no clue. Never heard of that neighborhood. Never heard of it. How close is that to 64? <laughs> right. Yeah. How close is that to 70? What that, exit that, is yeah, that? That's, that's all you care about. Seriously. Right? The, exactly. I mean, that's it. The uh, municipality where the cat is the alder cat. There's 264 residents. Of That's Cri- it of Crystal Lake Park. He's in charge of 264 people. He's the, he's the elder cat. He's the elder cat. Alder cat. Alder cat. Yeah. Of 264 people. Yeah. Wait, what is this? Jimmy, Lake- Jimmy the cat Hayes ran for all of them. He's the alderman. Actual cat. No, no, no. no the cat. <laughs> I was just like, what is wrong with this city? He is. Uh, hey, we have rally cat. Why not? Yeah, you have, right, Alder, you have rally right. cat. You have alder cat. You're right. Um, Crystal Lake Park is a small. Municipality between um, Frontenac and Kirkwood. Okay, it's kind of tucked back in. You take Clayton Road, and I think it's it starts with a B. I can't think of the name of it, but it intersects Manchester right there, like at a Schnooks. And he's the. It's a very very high rent district. It's a it's a nice little part of town. I was going to say there's, there's a lot of money there. Yeah, a lot, lot going on. Well, a, if I know a lot of big. If, houses if I know the Schnooks you're talking about, it's a very nice Schnooks. It's so a very ni- yeah. That's a very yeah. That's a, a very clean. Brother schnooks. Kevin Abear says that is the Schnooks of all Schnooks. Wow, 
Yeah. Like when okay. you want to go to a Schnooks, that's the one you want to go to. That's the one you want to go to. That is it. Interesting. That's Interesting. the flagship the flagship Schnooks. <laughs> so the first time I met Runny Knot, I've only and I've only met him a couple of times and he, I, I uh, he was doing a stand up outside Ballpark Village on opening day. It was stand up comedy? No, doing a stand up. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, that's stand up outside. Right outside Bush. Yeah. yeah. Hey everybody, Rain hey. and I just flew in from Washington <laughs> yeah. DC. Boy, my arms are tired. So, who was here from out of town? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> he um and I had just started doing all the VO work for CBS Sports 920. Okay. And com. And so I was like, hey, you don't know me. I said, but you know my voice. I said, you're listening to Charlie Marlowe and Renny Knott. On, he goes, you're that guy. I said, I'm that guy. <laughs> so that's my Runny Knot story. Yeah, he's really looking forward to talking to him. Yeah, should you be know, good. Like we just had a brief conversation when I met him uh, during the Final Four, what was that, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So really looking forward to having a conversation with him. Um, over the weekend, Clay and I were at the Bloggers Day. Yeah, at yeah. Bush Stadium. You guys are hashtag blessed. Got invited. Uh, yes, we're we kind, did. Kind of famous now. I mean, we're above. I mean, we're we're part of the social. We're, we're above the peasants. We're really the peasants. We, yes. We sat Legends Slightly, Club. Uh, yes, really? Legend, Legends Club Sunday. Free food, free drink. I'm talking all of the food. All the food. I and mean, yeah, it, it, like, it, 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 yeah, it, it wasn't like, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers, no. even though they had hot dogs and hamburgers there. They had like four but, different kinds of brats and sausages, brownies, cookies. I mean, literally, everything. I, I'm salivating just thinking about yes. it right now. Wow. And we there was not a one-on-one with uh, John Mosellock and Bill DeWitt III, but they'd have like, like a mini press conference. And I got to give the Car- the Cardinals credit this. Mo answered every single question. Nope. He did not hesitate. He never like never he never gave off the impression that oh my god, what am I doing talking to yeah. bloggers? Right. You know, like you could tell that he respected everybody that was there, respected yeah. the work that they did and you know, answer the answer the questions and you know, Jared Shapiro, I know that you download this podcast and you hit me up on Twitter saying, <laughs> you know, you know, don't go easy on them and I mean like I'm not going to blast uh, no, John Mozeliak, but I when, did. Not when you're in his house. No, not when I'm in his <laughs> right. house, and not when I'm bringing up, uh, you know, releasing Adam Wainwright yeah. when, you know, half the people there would pick me up and throw me over the railing. Probably so. So I, you know, asked a question <laughs> the, about... I, we, go, we go back to the to the one-man protest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I did bring up, you know, the possibility as, as these injuries for Adam Wainwright continue... Any thoughts of maybe moving him to the bullpen and bringing up someone like Jack Flaherty and having him take his place in rotation? And he basically said, you know, that's not something we're really thinking about now, which I, I totally understand, you know, but I mean, he didn't completely rule it out either. Right. Um, Clay, you called it 100%. I think they're going to keep kind of doing like these phantom injuries with Adam Wainwright whenever yeah. he needs a break. Yeah. Because, look, I always compare this to like, you know, old, like aging basketball players in the NBA, like Kobe Bryant when he was still playing and like kind of like Dwayne Wade now. Can Dwayne Wade go out there and score 30, 35 points any given night? Sure. Can he do it every single night or back to back or consistently? No, he cannot. He's just too old. Right. And, you know, father time is undefeated. So Adam Wainwright, can he go out there and maybe give you a strong seven, eight innings every once in a while? Absolutely he can. I mean, he's a talented guy. And he's not that old. I mean, he's 36, 37, but he's not 46, 47. Right. So I he's think old for, he's old for a baseball he's player. He's old for a baseball player, and he's old for a starting pitcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think what I think Clay nailed it. I think what they're going to do is that whenever he needs a break, he's going to go on the DL. Yeah. I mean, and Mazalak did a fantastic job of answering that question. I think a great point that he brought up is like how much of a difference that 10 day DL makes as opposed to like, you know, the 15 and the 60 how quick 10 days really goes by in terms of like series and missing starts and all that. Um, so it, yeah, it, I mean, it, it wasn't like a the hot, the hottest take in the world. I, I knew it was going to come at some point. So, but thank you for the credit. Um, but in, in terms of bloggers day, I, one thing that, and I don't know how you felt, but man, John Mazalak and build are just both really impressive people. I mean, just to hear them talk, the way that they present themselves. They're very polished. Very polished. Very, oh, yeah. very, very smart. And it, it's not that I ever doubted that before, but I think you really don't get that true appreciation for the both of them until you really hear them speak in person. Um, so I fanboyed out a little bit during the press conference, but uh, it, it was a really great experience, and, and you nailed it. Uh, the Cardinals did a really fantastic job, and it's a, it's a really great event. You could feel like that. you could tell that they respected 
what bloggers do. Oh, for sure. You for could sure. tell. Like I said, like you never got the impression that like Bill Lewitt was kind of like looking at his watch, like how much longer do I have to sit here with these nerds who are like, you know, taking pot shots at me from <laughs> their mom's basement? Because I mean, like looking at everybody who was there, mm-hmm. it, it, it was a, it felt like I was like at like a church group. Because you had some people who were kind of old, and right. you had like people who like Zach, uh, like Zach Gifford, who were like really, really young, right. who were like straight out of college. Yeah. And then you had the people who were like you and Tara, who were kind of like in between. Right. So I mean, it, it was kind of like it was like a, an interesting, fun mix of people. It really, I mean, it was crazy because people like brought their wives, brought their kids out. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's really great to see that so many different voices are represented amongst the blogging community for the Cardinals and. Yeah, once again, it, it was a great event. I had a really good time, and we got to see a victory. You have to think, though, that the Cardinals, did, that they do their homework on this kind of stuff. They know how many subscribers these, that these, these bloggers have they, and how many. They read. Mo, he alluded to it a couple times. They read. Yeah, they read it. They listen more than people think they actually do, yeah. and it's crazy. If they didn't see value in doing it, they wouldn't do it. No, absolutely, so, not. absolutely not. And so they, they have to know that there's value in having these bloggers and having, you know, the, were there any other podcast guys there? No. Well, well ha- I mean, they, STL, they, STL Hattrick was there. STL Hattrick was there. And then they're, I a, mean, big, they're a big podcast, then, though, aren't they? Fairly big. Fairly and then, big. I mean, like Tara, she has. I mean, they're her, not as big as us. No, not even well, close. We yeah. have we have like seventy five followers. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, and Tara, she has her Periscope that she does. That yeah. I know she gets. Yeah, you know she gets her fair share well, of people that that follow that. Birds on the Black has a few of them between Prospects After Dark with Kyle and then Tara's, and then the Redbird Daily guys have Bird Law. So yeah, there's a few of them. There's a few that were there. I mean, if you're doing a blog, you're doing a podcast. Yeah. Pretty much. Is that what they're doing now? Yeah, a Pretty lot much. of them are. Yeah, think, yeah. a lot Pe- of them. People are catching um, One thing I thought was interesting that Mosaic did answer the question, I believe it was him, maybe it was Bill Lewitt III. I want to bring this up with you guys, what Anthony Rizzo brought up about shortening mm. the season. Yes. And when he said that, I'm like, that is a great, that's not a, that's not a good idea, that is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And here's the reason why. There are a lot of cancellations mm-hmm. the, the past, the first month of the season. So many cancellations due to bad weather. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, they, they had a good crowd at Bush. It wasn't a great crowd. It was very it was sparse in it some was, areas. It was sparse in some areas. And I think a lot of that has to do with it was cold and it was rainy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you could describe not just the weather here, but weather over a great portion of the United States. A lot of people, they don't want to go to an early season baseball game mm-hmm. when it's 35 degrees and cold and rainy and windy out. See, and, and, I, dis, and I, I agree and I disagree. First of all, this... April has been extremely odd that we have not had consistent temperatures above 70 degrees for any amount of time. Is it I think, though? Is that incredibly odd? Yes. Are you farmers on the neck? I just, I just, I, <laughs> you just feel it in no, your no, bones. But, no, you're, you're right. It, no, it I'm, is, a tort- I'm tornado. I, boy. I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It, it, you. it is odd it's, for it's it to be cold, odd, but yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, usually there's a lot, a lot of, of rain, rain. Yeah. this time of the year too. There so is. it's not necessarily it being cold, but a lot of rain too. But you look at it like this too, in the, in the summer of, of 93, when the, when all the floods, when, when the, when the, the, the great flood happened, the great flood 93, do you know how many Cardinal games were rained out that season? I have no idea. Zero. Zero. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. I mean, it, it can go, it's six one way, half dozen the other. It can go either way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think, I think what, did, what did Rizzo suggest, like 144? It was only by like 15 games or something It was like something that. like what that. What they used to play? Uh, it was 154. 154 it was one, yeah, yeah, 154. Yeah, yeah, it was 150. I mean, like, I could see them maybe going back to something like that. I don't think it's that outrageous to do. do. So, and it, I mean, I don't think it would hurt revenue that much because look how many games where people aren't coming to the game, or uh, look how many games there are where there's sparse tennis because the weather's bad. Well, do you have a 162-game schedule that's over 154 days where you have scheduled doubleheaders? I mean, you could possibly do that, too. I think I think when I was listening, if I was understanding, it's really just like, let's cut out, let's push a start date back like two weeks or whatever it was to and, cut out those eight games and get it down to 154. And I, think, I also think it would help with a lot of interest, too, that the season will be shorter. Yeah. Because well, the NBA, when they had their strike shortened season that was in 2011 2012 right and it started the 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 season started on christmas day normally it starts like at the end of october beginning of november and it started on christmas day and it was a shortened season where there were games every night of the week every night of the week there was a game on and that season was so much fun to watch 
And plus you have like the very first day of the season, it's Christmas Day, which is normally an NBA day anyway. Huge NBA day. Huge NBA day. And I'm like, you know what? Why doesn't the NBA do this every single year? Cut down on the games. You're going to have less injured players. You start on Christmas Day, so there's going to be people excited about that. I'm I'm for short everything but the NFL season. I think the NFL season is perfect as is, Mm -hmm. but I would think the other three sports where they have seasons that go on for months and months and months on end, why not shorten the season a little bit? I mean, I know the owners don't like it because of loss of revenue. But interested in gross receipts for April games, gross ticket. No, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whether tickets, concessions, and parking, whatever, whatever goes to the Cardinals. Yeah, knowing what those numbers are, and they—I mean—they're probably a cult organization. They're—they're they're never going to release those numbers. But no, no, they never are. But I mean, I think it's something that Major League Baseball should look into. Yeah. Now, like 140 games, I think that's way too short. Mm-hmm. But you what know, does go it back do to the go to like 150 or 154. I could see. So you know, right now they have this whole scheduling conundrum where we have all these little stupid two-game series with, and usually, usually it's done during interleague play. Or like we'll go up to Chicago and play two. Like two. Yeah, the Cubs yeah, like two. we did lots of earlier little, in the season. Yeah, yeah. Lots of little two game things going on. I think either you have to either decrease or increase the number of games to get it divisible evenly. That way, everything that we have more three games, more three and four game series, and less and less of these of these little two game series. That can be something to look into. Well, I mean, they, they could find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, will it ever happen? Probably not, because these owners don't they they don't no. want to lose revenue. And in all honesty, like if you no, take away happen. eight games, like if you even get it down to what one fifty four, like it's not going to make that much difference in terms of like like no one's gonna be like, man, the season really flew by this year because we missed <laughs> those eight games. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're probably right. It's, it's not instead, that big of a difference. Or I've heard suggestions too. Open the games. Open the season in domes and warm weather cities for the first three weeks. I, I've heard that suggested too. The scheduling nightmare behind that, though, for for the first couple of weeks. Domes and uh, I think there's enough no to games do it. no games above the Mason Dixon line. <laughs> yeah, God. or you know what they've and I've also heard and I've heard you know I heard from sources. Um, there has been talk about MLB building a stadium in Nashville to play early season to play neutral site games. And also for a as a World Series stadium. Interesting. I saw, I saw that, and I saw. Uh, no, Port- that was years ago. Though. I saw. Okay. No, well, I saw recently uh, because they're talking about Portland getting a team or whatever, and I saw that they were exploring markets in Portland and Nashville for just stadium only facilities. Yeah. No teams. That'd be just to go there. Yeah, to do like a neutral side right. game. I don't think that's yeah. a terrible idea. No, not the worst idea. And look at what they're doing in Montreal with these preseason games and how many and how many people they have showing up there. That's true. Every year. Well, okay, like Montreal, that that poor city got fleeced. Well, when the expos got, when the expos were pretty good, that that city loved that city loved the expos. They yeah. did, but did you see the turnout? Remember watching Cardinal games on old Channel Eleven? With oh yeah, there was nobody there, no one there, no. And one there was, there. I mean, and it seemed like they were in Montreal at least once a month when it, when it was just playing when they were just playing National League games. This is back in the eighties, early nineties. Yeah. I remember hearing people say that like the, the players out on the field could hear the conversations going on in the stands. Mm-hmm. And Mike Shannon would talk about it all the time on the air. He goes, Man, they just do everything wrong up here in Montreal. They just do everything <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I got a funny story about Mike Shannon I will tell a little bit later. Uh, in Ooh, the that's show. a deep tease, Clay. Deep yeah. tease. It's, it's, com- it's coming a half hour it's, from now. It's, it's, pr- it's pretty funny. Hopefully I won't get in trouble for telling it. But all these new stories about uh or these new ideas about Major League Baseball shortening the schedules. Let's talk it over with uh, with Rennie Knott from KSDK News Channel 5. He's a sports guy. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Joining us right now on the phone is Rennie Knott. He is the former sports director for News Channel 5 KSDK and the current co-host of Today in St. Louis. You can see it Monday through Friday mornings on News Channel 5. You can follow him on Twitter at Rennie Knott Sports. Rennie Knott, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, other than the sleep schedule, what was the biggest adjustment moving from the sports desk to the anchor desk? <laughs> How about just waking up at one o'clock in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> You're probably used to like coming in at one o'clock, and now you got to get up at one o'clock. I mean, it's crazy. It's like when I go into work on Friday morning. You know, I get off of Highway 40 at uh, 11th Street, and you come down the ramp, and right there are the two bars. 
Well, there's still people going into the bar. I went, man, how much has time changed over the years? But, you know, the crazy thing about it is I actually enjoy being up to do the show because of the people I work with. It is so much fun. It's almost for those three hours, not like work. I mean, it is, but it isn't because you're just, it's like friends hanging out. You're talking about the news. You're talking about current events. It's really enjoyable. And in many ways, for me, it's a little less frustrating than it was doing sports because, you know, you work 12 hours to do a sports cast and you might get two minutes, you might get a minute, you might be tossed out of the show altogether if yeah. breaking news. And you're like, well, you know, no one sees my work. But now everybody sees your work because you're there. Now, having said that, <laughs> you can also be exposed a little bit more if, if you're not on your game. And so I'm still trying to work on that, but I really do enjoy it. Do you ever just want to, like, crank a yawn in the middle of the show because it's that early? <laughs> All right, so, so here, here's the secret to the whole thing. So you wake up at 1 o'clock. You know, I, I have a bottle of Gatorade or a bottle of water as I drive into work. I get to work. First thing I do is turn my laptop on, walk down the hallway, fill up my mug with coffee, come back, sit down at the desk, turn uh, uh, YouTube on, and put some music videos on there play the music videos in my head to sort of, you know, get kind of pumped up. It reminds me of when I played football back in high school and college where you had your, your game tape that you would play in your Walkman before the game, and you would just listen to those tunes for the amount of time you're pumping up and getting ready to play. So it's sort of that same thing, and it just kind of gets you awake and focused, and then you go out and do your thing. Now, at 7 o'clock in the morning when the show is done, I am ready to crash. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I am ready to crash. Uh, whenever they, whenever management approached you about this opportunity, saying, "Hey, we're thinking about moving you from the sports desk and having you anchor uh, the morning programming," what was your initial reaction? Were, did you view it as a promotion? Did you view it as a demotion or just a new opportunity? Uh, it was more of a new opportunity. I mean, I'm 53 years old, so you know, let's be real about the idea that you're not getting any younger. And when you go to the ballpark and you go to the arena and you're around the hockey players and the high school players and everything else, you realize that you're much older than they are. And the relationships as far as relating to the athlete is getting further and further apart. And it's not that I, I didn't like that. I mean, I enjoyed being challenged by it. I enjoyed feeling young to be around them. It does get a little bit taxing to ask a guy that's, you know, half your age or, or more, hey, can I get two minutes of your time? Hey, can you spare me, a, you know, a question or two about this, that, or the other? You're thinking, where's the disrespect for the fact that, you know, you've been around the block for a little while. I, I respect you for what you're doing out there, but can I just get a couple of questions real quick? And that gets old after a while. It gets, it gets frustrating after a while. Um, but when they asked me about doing this, it was – I actually asked about, you know – trying to be like a backup news anchor, just, you know, let's try it. And I didn't really like what the little rehearsal uh, fared. I thought, oh, I'm horrible at this. And then Allie was there, and they asked me, hey, we want to try you one day with Allie just to see what it looks like. And I did it for like a half hour, and then the next day they called and said, hey, what do you think about doing the morning show? And, I mean, I think I thought about it for about, oh, an hour, and I knew this is what I wanted to do. Because I felt like, you know, I've been to Super Bowls, I've been to World Series, I've been to Stanley Cup Finals, I've been to the Olympics. You know, I've done all the things you could think of doing in sports. And I thought, well, what's next? Well, is it going to be any more exciting to be the sports guy at this event or that event? Or is it time to, you know, maybe open your doors to a new career, to a new horizon? And that's pretty much what I decided. I decided that now is the time that, yeah, let's make a change and go for it. And you know what? I feel younger because I feel I feel like there's a new energy that I have to bring since everybody on the show is much younger than me. Um, and trying to keep up with them has really been enlightening. Rennie, uh, both Mike Bush and Steve Savard have had long-form interviews on a couple of podcasts here in St. Louis recently. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. both of them have talked about how much they thought they knew St. Louis when they were in sports. And then they found <laughs> out how much more to St. Louis there really was when they both made the move to the news desk. Yeah. What was the yeah. biggest thing about St. Louis that you thought you knew that you that you really didn't know when you when you made that move? I think the the biggest thing so far, well, there's two things. One, the intensity between the police and the public and the public and the police. 
and how the two sides really want the other side to understand what they're in. And I think when you're working sports, you're never really around that environment. You know, you're around the players, you're around the games. You're never around the people in the sense of really understanding the struggles. So that was the first thing that I thought, wow, this is really eye-opening. And the other one was just seeing how often the St. Louis Fire Department was involved in fires in all these vacant buildings. And, you know, it was night after night after night that these guys are putting their lives on the line to go in there and save people and people are losing their homes. And it's, it's just crazy where there isn't this utopia that you thought it was. You know, everything was Cardinal Nation. Everything is great. The team is winning. They're going to the World Series. Man, there's peace and harmony in St. Louis. And now you're realizing, no, 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 no. That's a minute amount of what this city is. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the weekend for this city. But weekday in this city is way more serious than what people give it you know, the credit for. I think people want to always look on the bright side, but I think the bright side is minimal compared to the other side, which really needs to be corrected. And that is something I've been here since 2004 that I had not seen firsthand until I started doing the news. And each day it's just more and more like, wow, something needs to be done. So looking at St. Louis from a 35,000-foot view after being mm-hmm. here 14 years, how do you fix it? What do you what do you think needs to be done? We, you know, be, between the city and the county. Well, you are uh, going to run for mayor, aren't you? Well, yeah. yeah. You know what? <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, I, I can't run for mayor, governor, anything around here. I tell you that much. Oh, right I think now, you but... could probably be the governor. You could probably be the governor. <laughs> all right, here, here's what I would say. I think first of all, there has to be a meeting of the minds between the city and the county. Uh, it's just ridiculous that these two sides aren't on the same page. And I think when you do that it opens the door to more businesses coming into, you know, the city. I mean, look at the, uh, the MLS team in the MLS situation. Had the city and the county been together, then you would have been able to pass, uh, you know, a joint tax that would have allowed that stadium to be built and that team to come here. But because you wanted to weigh it all in the city, and the voters in the city are going, well, wait a minute, the majority of the fans going to come from the county. Shouldn't they be paying part of this bill? Well, no, I'm not going to fund it. All right, so right there shows you what type of stalemate you have in the city. Um, I think the biggest thing that's got to happen is people need to have honest, open conversation. Not conflict, but open and honest conversation where they actually start calling people out and calling each other out for what's going on around here. And, you know, realize that there is uh, racism, there is uh, socialism in the sense that you know, different classes of people aren't given the same amount of respect that others are. And face these problems and go, hey, we're a small place. We can fix this. We're not Los Angeles. We're not Chicago and New York where it's so big that, you know, we need all these people to come together. We're tight enough of a community and we care enough about the community that we've got to be one. And the problem is we're splintered. And you see that when you drive around through all the municipalities and realize that, you know, a speed limit changes and all of a sudden I'm being pulled over. And you, you saw that back before Ferguson where there were all these traffic tickets being handed out because these municipalities had their own little set of rules, and they're pulling people over left and right. And when they're called out on it, all of a sudden it's settled down somewhat. And so I, I think it's all about having that conversation and then taking action on those conversations to rectify the situations that we're in right now. Rennie, I was uh, doing a little bit of homework on you today and saw that mm-hmm. after – oh, yeah – I uh, I got it. I got into the files of Southern Oregon State College. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> Did you pull some stats on? Oh, I pulled some stats. Oh, pulled right, some I like stats. It. But I wanted to ask you, as uh, now probably one of the more famous alumni, it's you and Ty Burrell uh, who plays Phil on oh, Modern, Modern Family. Family. It's Ty Burrell and Ready Not as the two most famous alumni. He's much, he's much bigger than me. <laughs> he's on Modern Family. So he's, he's way bigger than I. Do ever you know Ty? Are you guys about the same age? You know, you know. Also, uh, the guy from oh, the guy from the superstore. Uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, he plays the gay. Oh, yeah, uh, the gay, I think he's Filipino on the show. Yeah, he's a. It's a great. And it's I, a great he's character. He's also with the Southern Oregon State College. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, but but yeah. have you and Ty Burrell ever interacted with each other? Do you guys know each other? Like no. It? I am way older. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 53 years old. I was in college from 82 to 86. 
I bet, he, I bet he's about that old. Yes, it, he, he graduated in 1993. Oh, Ty Burrell okay. did? Yeah. Ty Burrell. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, okay. Sorry, Rennie. Yeah. <laughs> Man, wait, I'm making him feel bad. I told you I was doing my homework today. I was uh, looking this up. <laughs> you know what's crazy about going to a small school like that is, now, in my junior year, I played running back. I played running back my junior senior year. My first year, I was a free safety. And my... Junior year, I rushed for over a thousand yards. I made All American. I was all, you know, all this, that, the other. But when you play at a small college, no one knows who you are. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got newspaper clippings because my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, you cut everything out, you know, and saved it all, and it's great to look back at those things. But I realized that I could walk around campus and no one knew who I was. It was <laughs> nothing like going to Mizzou or something like that, where you know you're on TV and everything else. I was in a small market, TV market, where I believe probably three of my highlights in that whole season actually made TV. Oh, wow. Um, uh, no, I mean, and, and so you're humbled from that point on. I mean, you're playing because you want to play. You're doing because you want to do. And that's the way I treat life now. You know, I don't, I don't walk around looking for people to know who I am or, you know, ask for an autograph or take a picture. I do what I do because I love it and just I'm committed to it. I'm not looking for that stuff. And I think it started back really in high school and college where you were never really the superstar, at least not in the public's eye. You're just another guy, and that's just what you did. And I think the same thing carries on for me today. There was a stretch there in, in my time uh, when I was in Washington, D.C., where you got caught up in it. And I realized that's detrimental, that you can't think of yourself as being bigger than anything around you. And so now I, I make sure that I keep a humble mind and, and do my job and work the hours and all that because, you know, you're taking care of a family and I'm very happy with the things that I've done and, and the way life has turned out to this point. Rennie not joining us on the phone right now. You can watch him uh, Monday through Friday on News Channel 5 on Today in St. Louis. And, you can, of course, follow him on Twitter at Rennie Not Sports. Rennie, in your, uh, your, your long uh, journalistic career, what story affected you the most? Wow. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, and I can think about all the different people that I've met over the course of time and, and the stories I've covered and the places I've been. You know, I was there when Cal Ripken Jr. broke Lou Gehrig's record. And the reason why the night is way more memorable than just that is the next day my daughter was born. And so I went there in Baltimore covering that game. I go home and my wife's water breaks. And then, you know, we go to the hospital the next day my daughter's born. So those two things are always tied together in my mind. Um, you know, going to the Olympics this past year, and this is my third Olympics that I attended, not this past year, but earlier in uh, February, um, the greatest thing about that was being there when the women's team won the gold medal in hockey, yeah. beating Canada in a shootout. I mean, I stood there with my hand over my heart singing the national anthem, I think for the first time in public since I was, you know, in high school playing football, that I can imagine myself standing there like that. Because even in college, we were on the sidelines during the national anthem. But in high school, we were, and that's the last time I remember doing something like that. I mean, I was there when, when Riddick Bowe defeated Evander Holyfield to win the heavyweight championship. You know, I, I was there when you know teams won Super Bowls and the Cardinals won the World Series. And, and so it's really hard to go, okay, this was the moment or that was the moment. I could tell you about the things I wish I had done. I wish I had the opportunity to interview Muhammad Ali when he was able to do a good interview. And, yeah. And, relate to you that would have just blown me away um you know i would love to interview tiger woods at this time in his career when he's trying to make that comeback and sure. he seems to be a different person you know there's there's these things and i have to sit down and like write out a list to say what has been the the biggest impact on my career as far as something that i, I truly treasure but to be honest with you i really treasure all of it from talking to a high school kids like a you know you see a jason tatum now in the NBA doing his thing, and I think, man, I remember talking to him and his dad when he was 14, and look where he is now, you know? He's yeah. the emo's guy. like that, it just blows you away. Yeah. Uh, Rennie, final question, and thank you again for joining us. We know that uh, you got to kind of hit the hit the hay here pretty soon because you got to be up in like three hours. Uh, yeah, so true. <laughs> uh, but, okay, the studio is on fire, and you can only save one person. Who do you save, oh. Frank Cusimano or Audrey Dahlgren? Who do you save? Well, okay, I, I'm going to have to save Audrey. No offense to Frank, but I mean, Frank should know better. <laughs> Frank should know better. He's known me longer. And they go, hey, you know, 
it's every man for himself. You got to take care of the ladies. So, <laughs> and I think Frank would appreciate that answer. Frank's kind of an old school Italian guy. He can understand chivalry. <laughs> I don't. Think, I don't think Frank would be offended. I don't think he would be yeah, either. I, I think. I think Frank would appreciate that answer. I, I would he would appreciate that. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something about Audrey. Audrey is a fine person. I really think that. Um, she deserves a lot of respect in the St. Louis sports community, and I don't know if she's getting it right now. I, I know she's really trying to earn it, but she works really hard. And, you know, no one can ever come close to working as hard as Frank has over his years here in St. Louis and being in the different positions that he's been in and to achieve what he's been able to achieve. And really the, the heart and spirit that he has for this town is unmeasurable. I mean, he bleeds. You name a color, blue, red, whatever you want to name for this town, he bleeds. Oh yeah, and just just Dan look at the way he pulled the Rams out. He was. Yeah. Oh yeah, look yeah, at the way he went after sure. uh, Mike Piazza when yeah. he badmouthed St. Louis food. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I oh, mean. Yeah. Oh no, hey, don't mess with St. Louis food. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, even with me, don't mess with St. Louis food. Yeah, uh, Rennie. When I had my radio show on five ninety, the fan, I had Audrey Dahlgren on my show several times because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I, I had this thing when when my show was on Wednesdays. I would have something called Woman Crush Wednesday when I would feature women in sports journalism or women in sports. And yeah. Audrey sat in with the, with me numerous times, and I'm with you on 100%. I think she is super talented, and she is going to go as far as she wants to go in, in you know yeah. in sports broadcasting. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that because I really think she's a fine person. And I think if people and, – and I'm not saying that they hold anything against a female – but if people just sort of open their minds and allow the knowledge to come into their head of what they're seeing and not hold anything against somebody, I think they would have a better appreciation for what's going on and, and really what they're seeing. Because there aren't a lot of female sports anchors in the nation. And for her to be here at, at the time that she is with things going on, and she's way more relatable to the athletes and to the time than we are. I mean, let's be honest Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Sure. You know? We're, they're like our kids' age, but she's right there with them. So I, I really think that she's, she's somebody who is up and coming for sure. No doubt. Rennie, we appreciate the conversation, sir, and we look forward to having you on again. Hey, thank you. At any time you're at Twin Peaks, you can buy me a beer. <laughs> you're on. You're on. I owe you one. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Rennie. Thanks, Thanks Rennie. Rennie. <laughs> All right, guys. Let me do it. You too. Raw's war. You went to Raw. I did go to Raw. How was it? You said that uh, was it good or? I really enjoyed myself a lot. Was, was that the first time you ever been to one? I had been to. I went to Money in the Bank last year. Okay. And then I went to a house show at Keel Auditorium in 1986. Oh wow! Where Hulk Hogan fought uh, wrestled against Adrian Adonis. Okay. So yeah, that was the third time I had been to one. Okay. I, I've been. I've only been to one. I went to one years and years and years ago. It was the Raw. It was the first Raw after Owen Hart was killed in Kansas oh, wow. City. Mm. They had a, they had a pay per view in Kansas City. I forgot which one it was. And then the very next day, they had Raw in St. Louis, and you know Owen Hart had died the day before. Yeah. So I mean, and the it was, show must go on. I mean, yeah, you just can't just, cancel Raw. You, you just can't. And it was bittersweet. Yeah, and you know, like I- I'm not a huge wrestling fan. I watched watch it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then when um, I didn't watch it at all, like when I was in high school because we didn't have cable growing up. And then when I got to college, I started watching it a little bit more because my roommate always had it on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, this wow, this is really entertaining. It's funny. I didn't it's care hilarious. that hilarious. I didn't care that much about the matches. Everything else was hysterical. It's hilarious because I mean it was it was a lot of guy humor, a lot of double entendres, yeah. and you got you know the, the half naked women and stuff like that. It was very male oriented, but it was hysterical. So when they had that Raw was coming to St. Louis, me and two friends of mine were like, okay, well let's go, let's check it out. It could it's probably going to be fun. And the, the one of the friends that I went with. He still to this day. We're talking what late nineties? Oh, really? Uh, early two thousands when that happened with Owen Hart. So this is the heyday. Heyday. So we're getting close to around twenty years ago when I went. Yeah. And this, I, I say friend. I'm putting quotation marks around the word friend. We're, we're we're kind of acquaintances now. He got so mad at me that night because of what I did, and he still to this day holds a grudge. But it was his own damn fault. So. 
the whole two rows in front of us were full of kids and adults with special needs kids. Okay. Okay. So who was the guy that uh, the wrestler that had the fake mannequin head? Uh, Al uh, Snow. Yep. Okay. Okay. And his thing was, you know, what do I want? And everybody would shout head. And what do I need? And everybody would shout head. Like I said, double entendres. Yeah. And as soon as he got on stage, this is exactly what my friend said. In front, like, keep in mind who the two, the two full rows in front of us are. And he goes, this guy is just bleeping retarded. And as soon as he said it, he knew what he said. He felt terrible about it. And I've got a few drinks in me, and I cannot quit laughing. I am, <laughs> like, almost on the ground. I am laughing so hard. And he is punching me in the arm going, shut up. Shut up. I'm like, you're the one who said it. Yeah. But I was laughing hysterically. And to this day, to this day, that guy still holds that against really? me. Really? Still holds it? Still holds it. Absolutely wow. he does. So you're, you're a bigger guy like me. Yes. You, you, and they may even bother you. The permanent seats at Scott Trade Center are extremely narrow. Very narrow. I mean, to the point I have, I have not, I have not experienced them, so I can I can't pass judgment yet. There, so it's like the seats, like in one hundred and one to like one hundred and six, and then there's the ends, okay? Mm-hmm. And those ends, those seats kind of fold up and go down, so they can pack that thing away underneath, and so that way they can open up all the floor space. Well, we were sitting in a section that was partially those permanent seats on the concrete, and some of the seats were on the aluminum things that folded up. Those seats are much more comfortable for me. So there were three rows down there that were totally empty. And I'm like, well, that's weird. So because we had like row K, so we were supposed to be ten rows off the off the dashboards. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I go down there and I see a buddy of mine. He's sitting there, and then all of a sudden. So the, the first part of the show that came out was Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. Okay. Which is my absolute favorite part of the I, show. Uh, yeah. I, Paul Heyman is, is crazy. Yeah, awesome. It's good. Well, during that, all those seats were still empty. Then Roman Reigns came out and interrupted Paul Heyman because they're, they're having a big match at the Ultimate Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia on Friday. So, that, so they were just doing their promo for that. There were a lot of cheers for Roman Reigns, which is odd because he doesn't get a lot of cheers from the crowd in general. He gets a lot of boos. He's not. A, he's not. He's a. He's a. He's a face, but he's not a favorite. He hasn't gone over yet. Right. So, as soon as that was over, all these people from the floor that were standing down on the floor came and sat in these seats, and they were plants. Mm. They were told what to do by the WWE. No kidding. Yeah. Mm. They were plants. How'd you figure that out? Did you ask them? Roderick and I talked about it. He goes, those, <laughs> he goes, those had to have been plants. Those had to have been plants. Did you guys blame George Soros for that? No, no. That's what? a common thing, though, for yeah. big-time events, big-time, like, I can't remember the, um, was it the World Series? No, it wasn't the World Series. There was, it was either Super Bowl or World Series within the last couple of years. The fan attendance was projected to be, like, so bad that they were paying people to put on jerseys and come to the game. Really? Yeah. At a Super Bowl? I don't know if it was it was some it may not have been it may have been like college football national championship or like it was some big time event. It had it been years ago. It, had, it was year, it was probably within the last 5 10 years, but I remember oh, I the st- story broke that they were literally paying people to go to the game. Wow. Well, I remember It hearing, may have been just like a playoff game or something okay. like that. Maybe not like full-blown Super Bowl. I mean, I remember hearing stories about wrestling at the Chase when I was a kid. Oh yeah. That the, the the stadium would be so empty that what they would do is they would only shoot from one side oh. and make everybody sit on one side. That was my next point. My next thing I'm going to tell you. So we were sitting on the side. So you walk in on, we were sitting the opposite of the Clark Street side. Okay. I, could, I was looking at 101 through 106, which is, you know, the, on the Clark Street side. Mm-hmm. You'll turn around and look up and the entire upper deck on that side had the black curtain dropped. There was no one sitting up there. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. So, like, only half of the upper deck was full because they don't ever shoot up there. The camera the, on the boom and the little in the little trolley thing was running right there in front of me, and it only faces that direction to where you can see all the way up. That so it makes it gives the illusion that the building is absolutely full, packed to the packed to the gills. I wonder. Mm. This is something that Roderick and uh, Joel Laurinaitis are probably a little more 
capable of answering, but maybe the WWE is getting too too saturated. Because, you know, the, you have Raw, you have SmackDown, they have a pay-per-view well, the, know, once a month. The problem is is that they're not a privately held corporation anymore. That's true. Okay. They have stockholders yeah. they have to answer to. Yep. Yeah. And there's the, uh, there's the underlying problem. That's the problem. <laughs> It's, it's, it's not just a Vincent Kennedy McMahon it's, it's operation the only, anymore. It's the only problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a problem with a lot of companies. Yeah, actually. you have to answer to somebody else. That's but it was the it was fun to uh, it was fun to see uh, Paul Heyman. It was fun to do the "you suck" thing with Kurt Angle. Oh yeah, that was it was fun doing that in person. Um, what else was cool about? It? So they had just done the big SmackDown Raw switchover. Okay. So this was the first week where all the all of the SmackDown guys that they moved over to Raw were on Raw. Jinder Mahal, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler are all on Raw now. Yeah, I I don't don't know any of those names. Guys like The Miz. Nope. Everybody that I knew from, because I don't ever watch SmackDown. I only watch Raw when when I watch it. And so all the guys that I know weren't there. So I was kind of disappointed in that. But otherwise, oh, then Ronda Rousey came out at the very end. Oh, there you go. So you at least got to see her. Yeah. That's, and I knew, and I knew, so, I mean, it was literally the last two minutes of the show. And I knew she was in town because Timberfake posted a picture with her at the airport. Oh, of course he did. <laughs> that guy's a stalker. Um, that's a good fit for her, the WWE for Ronda Rousey. Because, I mean. I'm waiting for her to do I, a little bit more. I feel like it's such a, co- like, she's got to internally hate it. Like, she might oh, put no, on I, I think, like. No, I think this is the perfect spot for her. I don't think she really wanted to fight anymore in the UFC. I don't think she wanted to fight, but that doesn't mean she just goes and fakes it. Oh, well. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, she's still, I mean, she's not, still putting everybody. <laughs> I mean, professionally wrestles. The, the, the funny thing is, is that, like, like, I, I, like I said, I do not watch Raw anymore, but I was reading a couple things that might have been on Deadspin about her performance thus good, far. Good source. In, uh, good source. in the WWE. I like, I, I like Deadspin, too. I'm not a, I'm not a Deadspin guy. Not a Deadspin guy? Not. Are you a Barstool guy? I'm more of a Barstool person. Are but you? I think that's kind of my, demi- yeah, I think that's my demographic. It is. That, that could be. I a, little mean, bit, a little bit younger. Burger I, and I are old. Well, yeah, we are. But, I mean, I, I don't dislike Barstool. But I don't dislike it either. They're, they're a little too uh, pro-Boston for me, and that's nauseating. So here's um, my problem with Barstool. But, just real quick. Sure. Last year... They were putting on all these stupid videos, these short videos of people running. They were encouraging people to run other golfers over with their golf carts. Okay. And I'm like, no. Did you get run over by a golf cart? If I would have, I would have killed somebody when I got, <laughs> when I, when I got out of the hospital. You sued Barstool for being absolutely, ran over? I absolutely would have. I 100% would have. All, now, granted, it's funny, it's, it's funny to watch those videos. It's absolutely freaking hilarious. But not till not when it happens to you. Oh yes, continue. I apologize. No, no problem. Uh, but Deadspin, I, I forgot who it was talking about Ronda Rousey's performance so far in the WWE and how you know she is not exactly great on the mic or anything no. like that, no. and, and she's not a very good actress. I mean, all those guys, they all have sad cards. Everybody in the WWE has. Well, yeah, they're all professional actors. Yeah, they all have they all have <laughs> right. sad cards. Right. And I'm like, okay, anybody who watched that terrible Entourage movie can tell you. Ronda Rousey cannot act. She's Wait a terrible. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was just going to say the exact opposite. If you watch that great Entourage movie, you can oh, see that, that she could Oh, that Entourage movie was terrible. It was the worst idea they've ever had. It was so bad. That last season of Entourage was terrible. The last episode of Entourage was terrible. They just need to cut they, the cord. Exactly. They should have just let it go. But it was a household name, man. I'm just going to stop recording this thing now. <laughs> you guys are, you guys are. You terrible. really, you really like that Entourage movie? I, I watch it every time it's on. That's a. That's because I mean, but I am also an Uber Ari Gold fan. Okay, but okay, there's but, a difference between liking Ari Gold and liking that. That movie was not good. He, it was and he's, not good. And he was the only reason to watch right. that show for a long oh, time. Oh no, 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 no. Him, no. And, him and drama. No, yeah, no, 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 true. no. You're forgetting about somebody else. Oh. Oh, who, Sloan? We, Sloan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Emmanuel yeah. Shariki. Yeah. yeah, she's she's pretty easy on the eyes. Yeah. Um, that and Mrs. Ari, Melissa. Oh, uh, awesome. Mrs. Ari. Yes. Mrs. Ari. Yeah, she's she's pretty easy on the eyes, too. Yeah. Um, have you guys, speaking of easy on the eyes, have you guys been watching the NBA playoffs at all? I uh, love, I 
can't say enough about NBA playoffs. I, it's like the one time I actually get they, involved with the NBA, NBA. Some of these early series have been wildly entertaining to watch. Yes, I've heard this. Now, the, there's one, there's a game probably going on right now. It's my team. It's the Miami Heat. They're not going to win tonight against Philadelphia. Meek Mill has just been sprung from jail. Yeah. He's going to be courtside. The Miami Heat are probably going to lose by 85 tonight. Probably. But that Heat 76er series has been Fun as hell to watch. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Milwaukee and Boston. Yes. That series has been a lot of fun. Cleveland and Indiana. Uh, and Indiana. Cleveland has – the series is tied 2-2 at the time of, the, of this recording. The two games that Cleveland has won, one was a three-point victory and the other was a four-point victory. So these have been very close games that, that uh, Cleveland has won. They are seven points away from being swept yeah. out of the playoffs. A LeBron James-led team. So the NBA playoffs have been wildly entertaining. Speaking of sweep, uh, Anthony Davis show over Portland for yes. four straight games. That and, was fun to watch. And the, the, they, they play this on the Levitard show. Dan Levitard does the best radio show I've heard in years. It's the best produced one. It is it's extremely entertaining. If you hate sports talk radio, listen to the Dan Levitard show, even though it was a sports talk show, because they make fun of sports talk shows. So they said uh, all the ESPN people, that they're all their NBA people <laughs> that have made predictions on ESPN.com, every single one of them picked the Blazers to win that series. So they read their names and what they thought the Blazers were going to do, and then they laughed at them. That's awesome. It, it, I, it's hysterical. Well, it, yeah. Here's another funny thing that they do. Look, I'm going to pivot to this. The <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights oh, yeah. might be the best story in sports that no one's talking about, including us. Right. Well, we talked about it. I will say we talked about this like first or second episode. We did. We You're talked right. about is it memorable if the Golden Knights go on to win the state, like, or how how they would oh, actually I think, perform. I think, I think they're memorable right, right. now. After watching right now. this series, I have no doubt in my mind they're going to win. They're going to win. They're so going to win out. what Levitard does, or what he's done, is that, okay, we need a Vegas Golden Knight correspondent. So who's our Vegas Golden Knight correspondent? The legend himself, Mr. Wayne Newton. Wow. Really? So they would bring Wayne Newton on, and he doesn't know a <laughs> damn thing about hockey. All he does is tell all these stories from, like, the 70s. That's awesome. It is hysterical. Um, the NFL draft is this week. Yes. Do you guys, either one of you guys care? I, love, I think the NFL draft is some of the most exciting. The first round. The first round is some of the most exciting hours in television. I'm one, with you. One, because football's back. Like, football is back when the draft starts. It just get, gets me pumped up for the fall. Two, all the moving. It's kind of like the NBA draft a lot, too, is all the moving, all the shaking. All I'm with the you deals, on that one. I love the, the deals. smoke screens, yes. all the things that get thrown out the week of. I saw Baker Mayfield might go one today, which that's 100% not going to happen. No way. You can write that down. But the fact that it got leaked out there that these teams go behind each other, I love the NFL. Anybody draft. looking at the, the the expression on your face, I can tell you don't give a damn. No, I used to, but not 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 anymore. I don't. I used to like get into Walter Football, who does all of these yeah. mock drafts. Walter Football does like a 2020 mock draft. I'm not it's joking. Incredible, and it's it's an awesome awesome website, and I I do kind of miss it. And I, I to be honest, Matt, I didn't even know that the draft. Wow! Really? I didn't know. You're the producer That's amazing. of this show, and you know, <laughs> unbelievable. Hey, the host didn't tell me what was going on. <laughs> well, I mean, I know because um, Howard Balzer and Mark Lillibridge, they are again going to be broadcasting live from the Amera Sports Bar, where they were going to, you know, do their show, yeah. uh, doing do a draft show during the first round, and uh, I will be going to that to see uh, to see those. Robert and I did one of those. Did you? Yeah, and we did it at the kitchen sink. It was the year that the Rams drafted Gurley. We're like, why did they take a running back? And then it was because they needed a star running back to take the Los Angeles with them. Right. Yeah. That's is, why they drafted a star is, running back. Is that the reason why you no longer have interest in the NFL draft? Because the NFL is no longer here. It's no longer. It's because I'm not doing a radio show on a nightly basis where I need to know where I need to talk about the NFL draft. Okay, that's true. That that that's I, a lot of it. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that. that's probably a lot of it. Yeah. Um, now, like I've adopted a new team. I am a, uh, Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders fan. Yeah, I saw the Raiders emblem on the back of your whip. That, that's how you know that I have gone full blown in. I got a Raiders emblem on the back of you my know, car. Got right? a windows decal, window decal. No, it's, it's one of those, um, die cast metal ones. Oh, so you yeah. went full bore. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I have, oh, a, yeah. I have it right next to my Miami heat one. That's well, okay. 
I mean, you you probably get some looks with that. Those are, you like the Raiders, you like the Heat, and I and I've known this for so long, but I don't know why I'm putting this together. You like the Raiders, you like the Heat. You're a Cardinals fan. I'm surprised you don't get racially fan. profiled. Well, <laughs> I should I should probably edit that out. I probably shouldn't have okay, said that. Well, it, it's it's funny that you bring this up because oh really? Number one, I'm not making this up. You have no idea how many times I get mistaken for being part Latin. It happens. I believe that it happens all the time. I think it's the black beard and the shaved head. Yeah. So it was Easter Sunday. I'm driving back from my parents' house, heading back home to uh, to San Pedro, Missouri, and I this I'm in one lane, at, heading to the stoplight. It's a red light, and this car is very slowly pulling up alongside me, and this guy rolls down his window and he looks at me and he kind of like gives me a head nod, and then he shows me that he's got a Raiders cap, and I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm like. Okay, what's this guy doing? I'm like, am I going to get carjacked over a 2014 Dodge Avenger? I mean, come on. Is that the feeling that most Raiders fans have when they go to the game? Like, well, I'm either going to see a football game or get mugged in the parking lot. One today. of the two things are going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you're either going to get stabbed or you're going to you're going to see get stabbed twice. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Oh goodness, that is quite the fandom, though, Mr. Berger. Okay, I've been a Miami Heat fan for tw- I've, I've known for, you for, for twenty a few, years. I've known you for a few years now, and I can say that you have not wavered from not from once. your fandom. You are no. not a bandwagon fan. I am not a bandwagon fan. I remember watching the Heat. The Heat were so bad. The only way I could watch them was on Telemundo when the NBA used to be on NBC, and they would oh. they would air uh, Heat games Saturday mornings or Saturday midday on Telemundo. And I would, I mean, there was the only, the, the Spanish broadcast, so I would put it on mute and either turn on the, the radio or put in a now, bunch of CDs and listen to you, that. On the on the Spanish broadcast, can you push the SAP button and make it go make into it English? English? No, I should have thought of that. I never did <laughs> make that. Cl- make Clark Kellogg speak Spanish. <laughs> I can say this, though. Those four years where LeBron James was down oh, in Miami, yeah. that was the most fun I have had watching a sports team Probably since the greatest show on turf. Well, let me ask you this: Was that better than the D Wade and Shaq years, though? Yes, really, easily. Because though that was a fun team to just watch, it, that was a fun team to watch too. But I'm and sure LeBron James. In, in 2006, when they won the NBA Finals over the Dallas Mavericks, I remember that Game Six. I absolutely love yes. Pat Riley, which is yep. another reason why I'm a huge, a huge Heat fan. I yep. love, love, love Pat Riley, and Pat Riley. He kind of threw away the clipboard. This was no longer an X's and O's game. He was like a boxing trainer, and he was screaming at those guys, you know, those bleeps are done. Get out there and just bleep and kick their ass. That's exactly what Pat Riley said. Yeah, he was like a boxing trainer. He's like, you're tougher than they are. You're stronger than they are. Now go out there and kick their ass, and that's exactly what they did. Did you grow up here in St. Louis? I did. Have Have you always been a big NBA fan? Always, yeah. And what team did you follow as a kid? I mean, like any other kid or any other guy my age when I was a kid, it was Jordan and the Bulls. Uh, was a huge fan of them. I was a huge fan. Even back in your, like, I'm talking about, like, early 80s developmental years when you were just learning about sports. Oh, well, Lakers? Ma- Magic and Kareem? No, I don't think I even had a team. I think I just liked to watch basketball. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah okay. I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, the woman who babysat me, she took me, her and her husband took me to a high school basketball game. Uh, that my cousin Mark was actually playing on the team at the time. And I remember they had these two little point guards who were really good at like at alley-oops and passing and stuff like that. And I thought this is the most fun, magical thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I became a huge NBA fan uh, after that. Like I said, I mean, like growing up in the 80s, it was was a huge fan of Michael Jordan, a huge fan of Akeem Olajuwon and the Rockets. Uh, I wanted to be Carl Malone when I was in eighth grade. I wanted to be Carl Malone. And I the wanted, reason I asked if you grew I up here to be is shredded be, and it's because you know obviously we don't have an NBA team here. So I was just wondering what kind of exposure you had to it that made you such a big fan. Because just, I'm, I'm not a big NBA guy, and I never really have been. Okay, there's there's it's very difficult. It's not as as difficult as it used to be, but it used to be very difficult to find NBA fans in St. Louis. Yeah, but I will tell you this. Every friend of mine who was black in St. Louis, we could talk about the NBA all day. Really? That's very yeah. White, That's cool. White NBA fans in the <laughs> white NBA fans in St. Louis, not so much. I can still give you stats on the nineteen eighty two St. Louis Steamers. <laughs> oh my gosh! But, I, I I know around in my parents' house there is still a little inflatable orange MISL soccer ball that was a giveaway. Oh no kidding! At a steamer, yeah. 
Steamers. I was, I was, I loved indoor soccer. It was crazy. You know, back in those days, they sold the arena out, and oh, it was yeah. loud. And I remember it was crazy. Oh, I remember this, going to the games as like real little kid and thought like, man, this. is I was badass. really, really little. I was like yeah. five. Yeah, yeah. When I was uh, my first radio job was actually working at KSLQ, which is this. Uh, Adult Contemporary Radio Station in Washington used to be yeah. y, used to be Y ninety eight long time ago. Yeah, it was KSLQ. Yeah, it was ninety eight point one. Ninety eight point one KSLQ. KSLQ. Yeah. Uh, so uh, here's when, Donna Summer. When I was a DJ there, we would give away St. Louis Ambush tickets. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was very St. Or was it the Ambush or the Storm? Oh, the thing. I think the Storm were first, and then it was the Ambush. Yep. It might have been the storm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. whatever indoor uh, soccer team we had, we had tickets and we gave those things away like hotcakes. People love those things. I mean, yeah. St. Louis is a soccer hotbed. There's no doubt about yeah. that. I think even if there was an indoor soccer league, still it would it would still draw well. There still is. Well, yeah, you have the St. Louis Ambush out in yeah. St. Charles. It, 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 it was marketed properly. Well, <laughs> I, I think another problem too. <laughs> Is that you tell people in St. Louis they have to drive to St. Charles to go? Oh, to I got to cross a river. I'm not driving to do Family what? Arena to go watch an indoor soccer game. You, you might as well tell them they have to drive to Kansas City to go see it. People yeah. in St. Louis you do know, not and like. I, and the other way, and it's the now that I live in St. Charles County, it's the exact It's the same thing going the other way too. Yeah, you tell people that they got to drive to Clayton or downtown or downtown yeah. or South City. And like, hey, there's a happy hour at Southtown Pub. I'm going to go to. You're going to drive there? I'm like, well, I'm not going to fly there. How else do you think I'm going to get there? Take the burger chopper. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I would take, take a 45-minute Uber I, I all the way I'll, down I to South I think I'll be City. okay, yeah. yeah. And that's exactly why, and I, and I didn't know it at the time, but when they first built the family arena, there was a minor league hockey team and also a, a minor league basketball. The St. Charles Chill, I think, was the hockey team, or was it those, the Missouri the, River Otters? Uh, yes. That was the first team. Yeah, the River Otters. And then the St. Louis Chill... That, um, and we, uh, Roderick and I would always joke with, with Matt Grover that uh, Matt Grover was the best in-game DJ ever for the, uh, for the St. Louis <laughs> chill because they lasted Matt Grover and, loves his hockey. Yep. And, uh, but, you know, the very, very first, and I can't remember the name of the, of the minor league basketball team that was here. It was, it was a semi-pro team uh, that played. There was the St. Louis Swarm. A, the Swarm, that's swarm, what it was. Yeah. yeah. I thought those things would take off. Affordable minor league sports entertainment that anybody can go to. The thing is, like, but you, people but, are, but, but, no. you, but you said the word, yeah. minor league, yeah. minor league, it's minor just, league. Uh, it's just not a market. It's not the same. No, no. it's not a market. When you board. have, and at the time, you had the Rams, Blues, and Cardinals all here. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think even the teams in the Frontier League, the uh, Gateway, Gateway Grizzlies and the uh, River City Rascals, I think, they, I think they all draw well. They do okay. Gate, Gateway, not as much as maybe. I haven't been to River City in a while, but Gateway last time I went was pretty bad. You go to Gateway Grizzlies game for one reason. To hear the great Tom Calhoun on the PA system. There you go. That's the reason <laughs> you why get you get that in a Krispy Kreme uh, uh, burger. Right. I, I I teased it earlier about uh, about Mike Shannon. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, the story. The story. Yes. Okay. Right, so what was it last week? Week before, Mike Shannon said the word blowjob on the air. He sure did. And I have it on fairly good authority that he did that on purpose. <laughs> that that was not a mix up of him saying blowjob on the air. That okay. wasn't. That wasn't. Mean? Who just says blowjob on the air though? Well, it's like a, purpose, it's, it's glass. Purpose. Bl- it was a glass blowing ad. Yeah. Well, that's not. But like, <laughs> say it but, purpose. But it, yeah. But I mean, that wasn't like him. You know, getting mixed up and you know having like a, a Freudian slip, if you will. He meant to say blowjob, and he said it. It's awesome. I love it. Is he just looking for a way out now? Probably. Just, no, he, he's just like, screw like, it. Well, Damn I mean, it, they still won't fire me. They're, they're not going to fire me. I mean, Mike Shannon's, what, 78 now? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's to the point where, like, what are you going to do to me? Well, he's been I'm drink- Mike Shannon. He's been drinking on the air, the air for 30 years. It's like, well, Oh, I, you can't say that. Allegedly. Well, allegedly drinking on the air for 30 years, but... <laughs> I got to call my lawyers about that one. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to edit that part out. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna. Right, uh, yeah, I might drop it. <laughs> but I mean, Mike Shannon, he's he is a treasure in St. Louis. They're never gonna get rid of him. Could no. you? Have, we we can't even get rid of Adam Wainwright. Now you're gonna get rid of Mike Shannon. As Come matter, on now. As a matter of fact, Steve Schlanger. Did we interview Steve Schlanger on the show? No. No. What show did I interview Steve? Sch- I'll, I'll edit this part out. Anyway, Steve Schlanger was doing an, it was uh what used to do sports with J C Corcoran. Back on the old 103 days. Okay. And in the summer of 98, Steve Schlinger was doing fill-in play-by-play during the home run chase. Okay, yeah. And so and Steve Schlinger sounded just like Bob Costas on the air. 
But anyway, so he's talking about what goes on in a cardinal in the, in the broadcast booth during uh, during the game. He goes, "Oh yeah, Mike definitely gets his lunch out of a cooler." <laughs> I have no doubt. My my favorite story, broadcast story, is about Bob Euchre. And as you guys know, that whenever you're on the air, you have a thing called a cough button, right? What, you know, kills the microphone. I don't, for, I don't have those things here. No, we're not on the air. We're an open cough podcast. Yeah, right. if, if, if we cough, you just edit it just out. Just let me know, yeah. and, I'll, and I'll turn you off. So anyway, the, I think it was, it was either Artie Lang or Norm MacDonald told the story about how they were in the booth with Bob Euchre. And Bob Euchre would use the cough button to make comments about the women that he would see in the crowd. So it would be, you know... <laughs> You know, swing and a ground ball to short. Look at the tits on that broad. <laughs> Over to first, and he's out. Yeah, that's exactly what Bob Euchre would do. It's Norm Macdonald telling those stories. He's done it. He did it on Stern, and he did it on David Letterman. That's what I'm, yeah. The way he tells Bob Euchre stories will make you piss your pants. And he's a good storyteller. Oh, oh yeah, for yeah. sure. I have no doubt that they're good. And it, it was really just in recent years that I realized the genius of Norm Macdonald. Oh, I've known for a long time. There was a, a couple of the roasts where he's been on where he's bombed, and mm-hmm. but he's but he bombed on purpose. Mm-hmm. And when he bombs, I laugh harder than I do if someone is killing, so because I, it's just the the awkwardness, the uncomfortableness. It just makes me laugh. I had the chance to play golf with Norm McDonald one time. Really? Yeah. You had the chance, meaning you didn't do it. Or? I didn't do it. Oh. I'll tell you. So why didn't you do it? I'll tell the story here real quick. I was working for the newspaper here in Edwardsville, and I was going over to do a cover story on the Steve and DC radio show. Oh, boy. So I got to spend the day in studio with Steve and DC and and, and their cast of characters. Did you do a phone jam with them? I didn't. I wanted to. So let's call France, and I can (laughs) can speak speak French to them. And then producer Courtney Landrum said, hey, don't talk to the guys during the break. I'm like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't know. So, but their in-studio guest that day was Norm MacDonald. And uh, I was wearing a Titleist hat. He goes, Hey, you a, you a golfer? And I said, yeah. He goes, ah, we're going to go play golf around here. I said, well, Forest Park is you know, right across the street. You can go over there and play. Oh, cool. Thanks. You want to come over and play with me? And I said, no, I'm, I'm on my way actually out after this to go cover the LPGA tournament out at Lake Forest Country Club. I should have totally ditched. And I, I didn't even. You should re- have, man. I would have quit my job right there. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't I mean, even, I would have too. This is 1997. I mean, this is when, yeah. the, this is the absolute heyday right. He's of killing Norm MacDonald. And I could have had the chance to have the encounter of a lifetime to go spend five hours on the golf course with Norm MacDonald, and I didn't do it. You disappoint me, Andy Hanselman. I'm, you... I'm just, 40-year-old me kicks 20-year-old mind ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing that. I want to kick your ass, right? <laughs> so, yeah, he invited me to go play golf with him. And I said, and because I think I actually told him, I said, well, so my parents are members of the country club with it. We can go over and they're in play, too, right? You know, just 20 minutes across the river. Well, let's go do that. And I said, no, nah, I, you know, I, I can't. So. Goodness. Idiot to go cover Annika Sorenstam <laughs> over at, the, over at hey, Lake Forest Country Annika. Club. Annika. Annika, Annika, I don't even know. Annika. I don't, I don't know either. why I pretended to say her name. Annika Sorenstam. She was a good golfer. So she <laughs> was great. She was a great golfer. In, in, in 1997, yeah, it was yeah, worth she, going she was to see her. It. There yeah. was like three good actual golfers. And she yeah, her, uh, Michelle McGann, and um, who was the other good golfer in that time? Oh, they're all lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we Man. definitely got to edit that <laughs> Jesus, Hanselman. Shit, we should probably end on that. <laughs> All right. Special thanks to Rennie Knott for uh, joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at, <laughs> at Rennie Knott Sports. Uh, make sure you catch him on Today in St. Louis, Monday through Friday on News Channel 5. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. Follow Clay at Ton of Clayton. And you can follow Andy Hanselman and all of his lesbian jokes at Emo6. Uh, Until then, uh, have a good night, St. Louis.